Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. Hey, we are so glad that you are tuning in today. And I just want you to to know that you are welcome at Brave Church and everyone that is viewing from Brave Church, even around the world. What's incredible is this past week, we heard from someone from Germany, Hamburg, Germany, who is watching Brave Church every week. We want you to know that regardless of where you're watching from, you belong here. We're glad that you're a part of our family. And we just believe that you're going to uh, just be blessed today. In fact, we are beginning a brand new series today that we've called Bloom. And, you know, it's the Sunday after Easter. It's spring. And in light of what's happening with, with the pandemic and everything, you may think that, man, that is an odd title of a series for us to be launching into. But I really want to help you out Because I believe that in this season, in this crazy season, God wants you to bloom. In fact, let me say this. I believe it is possible, it is feasible for you and I to bloom in this season. Let me show you God's word. In Hosea chapter 14, verse number 7, here's what it says. It says, the people of Israel will again live under my protection. Come on, aren't you glad that as God's people, we live under his protection? And they will grow like the grain. And I love this. This is our verse for the series. And they will bloom like a vine. I'm praying that you will bloom in this crazy season. But you know what I know? Many of us, we want big things in our life. But we forget that all big things started with something very small. All of us want like, man, God to bless us. And at times we will say, God, I want you to bless me. I want you to advance me. God, I'm wanting bigger things. I want you to elevate me. But what you fail to remember is that everything that is blooming had to be planted at some point in time. Because here's what happens is God allows you and I to be buried. He allows the soil to cover us. He allows the dirt in life to cover us. And you know what? I never hear anyone say, God, thank you for the dirt. God, just give me more dirt. Come on. I know that you have probably not told God, thank you for the problems. Thank you for the craziness in my life right now. But what we do is we begin to ask God, God, why is this happening? God, why is this taking place in my life? God, why are these things and these situations taking place in our society? And what we fail to remember is simply this. In order for something to bloom, it has to be buried. In order for something to go from a seed to the fruit, It has to go through a process. Come on, right there where you are, would you say process? It has to go through a process in order from something to be a seed into full-grown fruit. And that process, many times, it all happens when it is buried and when it's put in a dark, cold place. But can I tell you something? If your seed is good, then when you are put in a dark and a cold place, you are on your way to blooming. In fact, let me say it like this. If you feel buried right now, 
Because many of you, you feel with your kids, with the schedules, many of you are trying to work from home, you're, you're educating your kids, you're doing school online with your kids, you're trying to figure out finance, you're trying to stay healthy, you're trying to stay um, just afloat, and many of you feel buried right now. If you feel buried, you are on your way to a breakthrough. Come on, let me say that again. If you feel buried, you are on your way to a breakthrough. And here's what I want us to do. Over the next four weeks... I want to take us through a process, just like a seed has to go through a process to get to the fruit. I want to take our entire faith community through a four week process. Now, here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to share the word of God with you, and I'm going to plant a seed in your heart. But over the next four weeks, we are going to water that seed. And then I believe in four weeks time from this Sunday, there is going to be unbelievable fruit and blessings of God in your life. If you want that in your life, that is a good place at home right now to say, amen, Pastor David, I want a blessing. I want fruit in my life. And here's how we're going to do that. Over the next four weeks, we are going to study the book of Colossians. So I want to encourage you, you can do homework, that this is a Bible book study for four weeks as we're talking about bloom and you can begin reading ahead and studying the word of God. Colossians is in the new Testament. It's only four chapters long. So we're going to go four weeks with this. And I believe as we dig into God's word together, as we do a Bible study together as a church, you and I, our church, our community is going to go in full bloom. Now, let me just kind of help you out with this book of Colossians. The book of Colossians was written by Paul. Paul is a notable figure in scripture and it's written to the town of Colossae. Now, you may not have heard of that town, but it's an ancient town. Paul, in fact, he's not in Colossae. He doesn't even know the church in Colossae, but he knows the pastor. And as he is writing to this church in Colossae, you have to understand that Colossae is part of the Roman Empire. Now, if you've heard and you've studied history, you know the Romans, man, they were bad. They were bad to the bone. No one has ever been like them. No one was ever like them before. The Roman Empire is like none other. The Roman Empire, they conquered the entire world, essentially. And in fact, they were rulers of the world for 1,500 years. Now, think about that in context with America, that we're just like a little bit over 200 years old as a nation. The Roman Empire was established They were dominating for 1,500 years. Well, because of that, they had this unbelievable wealth. There was so much commerce that was happening in Rome. And so what they did is the Romans created this road system. And think about this. Way back in ancient days, they paved 50,000 miles of roads. 50,000 miles of roads in this ancient time. And guess what? All roads led back to Rome. You've heard the saying, all roads lead to Rome. That's where it came from. So here is this church in this Roman province. And everyone in the nation is prospering. Everyone is doing very well because of the stability of the government. But not only that, check this out. The church in Colossae, 
They're experimenting because of all the roads leading to Rome, all of the commerce, all of the wealth. They're also getting people of every nationality and every ethnicity that that was alive at that time all coming into the city. It's a lot like Miami where we have nationalities of every nation and every tongue in Miami. But with that, these different nationalities would bring their religions And those religions would mix and mingle with Christianity. And so all of a sudden, the Christian church, they would dabble with mysticism. And someone would start praying to their uncle uh, Fred, who was dead. And, And Paul comes in, and Paul stops them in this church. Now watch this. You have to get this. And he says, listen, I want to tell you guys something. You are putting your hope in the government. You're putting your hope in the empire. You're putting your hope in things of this world. You're putting your hope in all of these weird religions. And Paul in the book of Colossians says this. The only thing you need is Jesus. Jesus is in all things. Jesus is through all things. Jesus is over all things. Come on, right there where you are. That's a good place to say amen and reaffirm your faith. That's good because that tells us that Jesus is over everything that we are facing in our culture today. But what I see here is what was happening in that church happens in our nation, in our society today. That a lot of people, they put their hope in the government. They put their hope in, in, in outside things. They put their hope in, in things in this world. And then they begin to mix and mingle and create their own um, identity with God and pathways to God. And as a pastor in your life, I just want to let you know something. Don't put your faith in your hope in the government. Don't put your faith in your hope in weird things. Come on. We need to put our hope in Jesus. Jesus is all we need. Come on. I want to look at you in that camera right now and let you know Jesus is all that you need. He's over everything that you're facing in your life. I feel the spirit of God in this church right now. I want you to know he's everything you need. And as we look at the book of Colossians, I I love this because from the very first chapter, Paul is writing to this church and I'm reading this and I'm like, this could not be any more relevant to our lives today. I mean, this was written thousands of years ago, but it is so relevant to where we are today. So I want to start with chapter one. And I want to plant a seed in your heart today. If you have your Bible, would you go ahead and turn it on or turn the pages? And in chapter 1 of Colossians, verse number 15, here's what it says. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. And he made all things. He made all things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. And everything was created through him and for him. Let me pause there. Scripture says this, that everything was created through Christ for Christ. That means you and I. We were created for Christ. Verse number 17. He existed before anything else. And I love this part of scripture. He holds all creation together. 
You know, many times people will say, man, Pastor David, I wish God would speak to me. I wish I could hear God's voice. Can I tell you, you can hear God's voice. It's through the word of God. Do you know the language of the Holy Spirit is God's word? The reason why we're doing this book study today and over the next four weeks is because I want you to get into the word of God so that God can get into you. I promise you, if you will get into God's word, God will get into you because many times people will say, well, Pastor David, I mean, I mean, what is God like? And I don't know if you've ever wondered, like, you know, what is God like? I mean, who, who is God? Like, what is he like? What? What is he not like? What's his personality like? And it's very easy. If you want to know what God is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. Because scripture says this, that everything that existed is through Jesus. That if you want to know who God is, you have to look at his son. He is an image of his son. And so if you say, well, man, what, what, is, what is God thinking? Well, if you want to know what God is thinking, all you have to do is look at what Jesus was thinking. Look at how Jesus was acting in scripture. I don't know if you remember in scripture, the prodigal son, right? It's the son who was in rebellion and he squandered and spent all of his dad's inheritance. But then when he returned to his dad, his father ran out to him and, and met him and loved him and embraced him. That's the picture of our God. There's another story in scripture where this woman is, she's literally caught in the act of adultery. And the rulers, the religious people, they drag her out of the bed. And they drag her into the streets and they're about to stone her. And then Jesus walks up. And Jesus has this simple conversation and he says, hey guys, because it was like the men of the city dragging her out. And he says, whichever one of you is without sin, you throw the first stone. And I love this in scripture because scripture says that one by one, the men left from the oldest to the youngest. I, I, I think that's funny because the older men, they left first. And sometimes people are like, well, pastor, why did they leave first? I think it's because they had more sin than the younger men. And they're like, man, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to be exposed to that. But you say, well, well, what is God like? You just look at Jesus. God is rich in mercy. Jesus, he looked at this woman caught in the act of adultery. He says, I know what the law says, but mercy triumphs over judgment all day long. Aren't you so thankful for the mercy of our God? I just want to speak to someone who's watching this, that maybe you're running from things that have hurt you or have haunted you. Can I tell you, you don't have to run from God. You can run to God. God is not mad at you. God is not angry at you, but we serve a loving God who is rich in mercy. In fact, scripture says this, it is the goodness of God that calls us to repentance. The reason why we want to live our best life is because of how merciful God has been to us. But Pastor David, like, how powerful is God, right? Like, many times people will say, well, I mean, is God powerful enough to, to protect us and take care of us in this situation we're in? Can I remind you in Scripture that even the laws of nature don't apply to Christ? The disciples are in the boat and a huge storm is coming and they're afraid that they're going to die. Remember several weeks ago, I talked about this and Jesus wakes up from his nap and he says these three words, peace, be still just three words. And the disciples look at Jesus and they say, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? I'll tell you who this man is, brave church. 
This man is the one who created the wind and the waves. This man is the one that they're not even laws of nature. They're the laws of God. God can do what he wants to do with what he created. So God is so powerful. If you want to know how powerful God is, look how Jesus opened blind eyes. He opened deaf ears. In fact, God is so powerful that not even sickness or death is stronger than his power. I remember in scripture this story of a man named Lazarus who was like the best friend of Jesus, right? And he dies. And I've preached that message so many times. And many times I've preached that message from the perspective of of either Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus wept. He was so saddened by Lazarus' death. Or or even Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, and how sad that they were. And, And you look at this story and everyone's sad. Everyone is just crazy like just they're mourning and they're grieving and jesus shows up and heals lazarus lazarus comes out of the tomb now everyone's happy jesus is happy the sisters are happy the friends are happy everyone's happy except for lazarus i've thought about this from everyone's perspective except for lazarus i don't think lazarus was happy that he rose again i don't know about you i don't know if you ever thought about this before but i don't think he was happy i don't think he was happy that he's living again why pastor david Because Lazarus was in heaven. I believe that Lazarus is in heaven. I mean, imagine, he has already picked out his mansion. He's already got the tile being laid in his pool area. He's drinking some virgin pina coladas. Come on. He's playing basketball with Peter. And all of a sudden, he gets a tap on the shoulder. And they're like, hey, Lazarus, um, you got to go back down to earth. And I can just imagine Lazarus is like, what are you talking about? I'm not going back there, man. I'm in heaven. And they're like, no, Jesus is calling you. Jesus is wanting you to come back. And Lazarus looks and he can see Jesus walking to his tomb. I can just imagine Lazarus is like, no, I don't want to go back. But listen, we know from the life of Jesus that even with his words, he can bring life to things that have died. You see, that is how we know who God is. But today what I really want to do is I want to look at this first part of chapter 1 of Colossians. Now that you know who our God is and what our God is thinking and how our God acts towards us, I want us to look at Colossians chapter 1, verse number 3. And Here's where I'm really going to land this message today. Check this verse out. He says this, we always pray for you. This is Paul talking to the church of Colossae. And we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith. We have heard of your faith. He says this, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. Now, I think this is interesting because Paul was not in Colossae. In fact, He's several thousand miles away, and Paul is writing this to the church, and he's saying, man, people all over the world have heard of your faith. Come on, this is so good. I hope you're taking notes today. He's saying this, we're thousands of miles away, we're on the other side of the the known world at this time, and I want you to know, we have heard of your faith. Well, Pastor David, how would they have known about their faith? I mean, they didn't have Wi-Fi, they didn't have hotspot, how would they have known about their faith? Here's why, Paul says, we've heard about you because there's something different about you. There's something different about your faith that we haven't seen anywhere else. Don't you want that being said about you? 
Like I think about this scripture and I think, man, I want that said about me. Don't you want your coworkers, your neighbors, your friends, come on, the, the people you go to school with to look at you and say, man, there's something different about you. Like you don't talk bad about people like other people do. You don't gossip. Like you're not negative. Like you're always talking about faith filled things. Like you're always looking at things like, man, we're going to get better. Things are going to turn for the best. I mean, are people looking at you? They're like, man, you're always talking about your church and the activities of your church. You're always posting up on social media. You're always talking about Jesus. Here's what I know. Paul is looking at this church and he says, man, there is something about you. Here's what I want you to write down in your notes. Write this down. I believe that it should be obvious who we are following. I, I believe it should be obvious to the people in your world that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, let me give you something else to write down. Um, I, I really believe this, that your faith is personal, but it's not private. Your faith, it should be personal, but it's not private. You know, at times I, I'll, I'll hear people say, well, man, you know, I, I would talk about God. I would talk about Jesus. But really, faith is a private matter. And can I just respectfully disagree with you on that? That if our faith was private, none of us would be here today. If faith was private, there would have been no one who, who would have told me about Christ. There would have been no one who would have told you to watch this today. Can I tell you, our faith, it is personal, but it's not private. Come on, I believe it should be obvious to people around you who it is you follow, who it is that you've sold your life out to, who it is that you're devoted to. Because here's the thing, we love to talk about the things that we love. Come on, you know you do. We all do, right? Like you find this new restaurant. And man, you can't wait to tell people. You post it up on social media. You're telling everyone, man, the food here is so good. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's so delicious. Like you go to see a new movie and Transformers 15 comes out and you're like, oh man, this movie is so good. You've got to go see it. I saw it on opening weekend. You know what? We love to talk about the things that we love. Come on, I want to encourage you today. Fall in love with God all over again. Let there be a passion inside of you again so that people know who it is. And, and here's really how I want to say it. Our faith should be known. Our faith should be known. Paul is writing this and he says, to the church in Colossae, man, your faith is known. People are talking about it. Can I tell you, if you belong to Brave Church, you're watching this, man, our faith should be known. Miami should know that we're here. Miami should know that you belong to this community of faith. The people in your world, they should know about it. Why? Because we possess the very thing that people are needing at this time in our life. Look what verse number five says. He goes on to say this. Here, here's how they are so bold with crazy faith. Remember at the beginning of the year, our theme is crazy faith. Here's how they have that crazy faith. Because here's what I know. Some of you are like, Pastor David, how do I do it? I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. Watch this. Verse number five. He says this. Which comes from your confident hope. He says this. People know about this. You're crazy in your faith. In your faith, that boldness comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. And you have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news, 
the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit. Come on, you hear that? We're talking about blooming. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as as it has changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Can I just tell you what Paul is saying? Is that Jesus will change your life. Can I tell you? When you come in contact in a relationship with Jesus Christ, your life will begin to change. Can Can I tell you? I didn't say that you should change your life. What I said was this, is that when you have a relationship with God, God will begin to change your life. Now listen to this. If you've ever said yes to Jesus, can I tell you, instantly you are saved. But how many of you know that our lives still need a little bit of work? That's why the Holy Spirit enters into our life. And after you say yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit will come in and he will fill your life. And then he begins to work on those things, that he begins to change those things. He begins to reveal things in our life that should be changed. And he shows us, man, that attitude that you have, that anger issue you have, that envy problem that you have, that addiction that you have. And he begins to show us those things and to help us change. But I love this. He says this, it is a confident hope. Come on, right there where you're watching this. Would you say that with me? A confident hope. Come on, let's say it again. A confident hope. Come on, one more time. Paul says this. It is a confident hope. You see, we can have boldness. Can I tell you? We can have peace in the storm because we have a confident hope. Now, now here's what that means. It means that they had expectancy. Would you write that word down? They had expectancy. Pastor David, what does that mean? Let me just illustrate this. Last year, I took my kids on a trip to Orlando. And when we were in Orlando, we we were going to Universal. And leading up to that trip, my kids were counting down the days. They had expectancy. They were telling their teachers. They were telling their friends that we're going to Universal Studios. They were telling them all the rides we're going to ride. In fact, Britain, my son, he was always asking, Dad, how many more days? How many more days? How many more days? I mean, they were just expected. In fact, the morning we were leaving to go to Orlando, they had their bags packed. They were waiting on me. You know why? Because they had an expectancy. Let me just help you out with something. When you have hope for the future, when you have hope in your life, come on, what I want to do is plant some seeds of hope in you. When you have expectancy, you act different, you walk different, you talk different, you act different my kids man all week they were so excited they were talking different they were acting different they were walking why because they had this expectancy that we're going to go do something great that we're looking forward to let me just tell you this here is how you have peace in the storm paul tells us when we are rooted in hope our hope comes from the fact that this is not all that there is in fact what paul is saying is this We are going to begin living our lives for eternity. He tells the church in Colossae, he says this, you have this confident hope, this expectancy of eternity. In fact, what he's saying is this, you are a church that is living their life for the day when they are in heaven with Jesus. Now, let me just say this. I know we don't like to talk about this. I I don't mean to be a downer here. But let me just say this. The statistics are in. 10 out of 10 of us are going to die one day. 
I know it's shocking and we don't want to talk about it. We want to feel like we are absolutely invincible. And even now some are like, Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I want to think about it. But let me just tell you something. It's just a reality. I mean, it's just a reality. We don't want to think about it, but it's a reality. And what Paul was saying is this, if you want to have peace, if you want hope in your life, what you need to do is begin to live your life with an expectancy, with this confident hope that, you know what? I'm not living for things. My hope is not anchored. My hope is not rooted in temporary things, but my hope is anchored. My hope is rooted in eternal things. Come on. That is a good place for you to say, amen. You see, cause here's what we know. We have the ability to plant our seeds of hope in things that are not just temporary in this world, not just things that we can touch, not just things that we can feel, not just things that we can see. But Paul says this, you can put your hope, you can grow deep roots that will carry you through the storm. I want to talk to someone right now that because of what's happening, you're in, you're in pain and you have major fear and anxiety and worry. Can I just tell you, don't put your hope in the temporary. Don't put your hope in the things that are seen. Begin to live your life with the things that are eternal, with the things that are unseen. And Paul says this, you will have this contagious faith, this crazy faith that people all around you are going to look at you. and They're going to say, man, there's something different about you. Here's what we have to remember. You and I are not created for this life. Because here's what I know. We, we are living in some uncertain times right now. And we're not created for, for this life. So we're not created to be like, man, I just want to avoid problems and avoid issues. And I don't know why these things are happening. Because even Jesus said this. There will be troubles in this world, but take heart. I have already overcome the world. And what Jesus is saying is this, yeah, the pain may be temporary right now. What you're going through, it may be the only thing that you can see, but take heart. There is something bigger than even this life that we're living in right now. You know, several years ago, I saw this commercial of these four guys sitting around a campfire and they were camping and they were drinking uh, their beers. And, and one of the guys says, it doesn't get any better than this. And I remember looking at that commercial and I'm like, I sure hope it does get better than that. I mean, I'm not an outdoorsman kind of guy. I don't know about you, but camping is not my thing. And I'm just like, I really do hope it gets better than that. Can I tell you the good news is it does. Let me just tell you the good news is it's going to get better. The good news is you can have a confident hope in your life, but here's what happens to us. We put our hope in the wrong things. Can I just talk to you for a minute? We lose hope when we put our anchor of hope in relationships or in our kids, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a friendship or a family member. When that goes crazy, then our whole lives go crazy. There are other people that they have put their hope in the economy. They put their hope in the stock market. There are people that are business owners and you put your hope in your business that when the business is doing good, you're doing good. But when the business is doing bad, you're not in a good mood. And, and what Paul is saying here in the first book of Colossians, he is saying this, listen, don't put your hope in things you cannot control. Don't live a 
roller coaster life. Who am I speaking to that's watching this right now? Because the reality of it is, you can't control the economy. You can't control the stock market. You can't control your company, even if you own your company. Because there are external things that you cannot control. But Paul tells us here, he says, listen, you can have an anchor in hope that will never let you down. You can put your roots in a hope that will never fail you. And how you have that hope is you have an expectancy. Paul says this, put your hope in eternity, which means this, whether you are employed or unemployed, you can still have hope, which means this, you could be going through a storm in relationships, but still have hope. Why? Because my anchor, my source of hope does not come from a person. It does not come from a bank account. It comes from God. Pastor, show me another verse. Hebrews Chapter 6, verse 19. I love this verse. Watch this. You've got to get this verse. He says this. This hope, this confident assurance, we have as an anchor of the soul. Man, I love that. It cannot slip and it cannot break down. Watch this. Whatever pressure bears upon it. Some of you need to write this verse down and read it every day. Let me read that last part again. This hope, it cannot slip. It cannot break down under whatever pressure is put on it. It is a safe and steadfast hope. Can I tell you, when your hope is connected to the eternal, it can withstand the pressure. Many of us are dealing with a lot of pressure right now. But can I tell you, when your hope is connected to things that are eternal, you can withstand the pressure. Pastor David, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this, when everything else in our world may seem like it's falling apart, you don't have to fall apart. When everything else seems to be shaking and just like just shaking in our world and the economy is shaking and fear is shaking all things, you don't have to be shaken. Why? Because we have a hope in things that are unseen and we know that we are living this day for that day. But pastor, what about this earth? Like, so it's like there are no gain for us here while we're living. Can I tell you? That's the beautiful thing. Eternity starts on the day that you give your life to Jesus Christ. Did you know that when you say yes to Jesus, you begin this adventure, this journey with Jesus, that all of a sudden eternity takes root in your heart. And so now you begin to live your life with purpose and with destiny, with God's plan in your life. And now you're not just living for fame or success or, or riches. But as you're living your life day to day, can I tell you, God will bless you here on this earth. I believe that God wants to bless you on this earth. But the blessings on this earth are not our goal. That's just the icing on the cake. What's beautiful is as we say, God, I want to live this day for eternity in my perspective. And that's how God really wants us to live our life. So you say, well, pastor, what do I need to do to get there? You know, as I was praying for you, this weekend, I was praying for the message that I would share. I really believe that there are a lot of us that are watching right now that you have anchored your hope. You've taken the seed of your life and you have planted it. You've rooted your hope in things that are shakable, like relationships, or maybe it's a career, or maybe it's in your studies, or maybe it's in your wealth, or maybe it's in your influence, or maybe your hope and your joy, your peace 
comes from acceptance. If these people will accept me, then I'll have peace and joy and happiness. And can I tell you something? I believe with all of my heart that when we are anchored to those things, it only leads to more despair. It only leads to heartbreak. It only leads to pain. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. If you're married, we want your marriage to be blessed. We're praying for that. If you're in business, we want your business to be blessed. If you're at your job and you're working, I just want to encourage you, be the hardest working person at your job. I believe that Christians should be the hardest working people on the planet. That deserves an amen. I believe that people should look at you and know you're a Christian and know that, man, you are, you are just different. So yeah, be married. Yes, be successful. Yes, study hard and get the best grades. Yes, go for that promotion. But here's what I'm saying. Our roots are not anchored. They're not rooted in that hope. Our roots are anchored in a hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And I want to give you something practical to do this week. As we're studying this book of Colossians, I want you to take this next verse. And I want you to meditate on this verse. I really want you just to to think on this verse this week and over the next couple of weeks. And it comes to us out of Colossians chapter 3. Here's what it says in verse number 1. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your hearts on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse number 2. Set your thoughts. Set your thoughts about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. For you died once to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of his glory. I love how Paul says this. We have to set our minds on the things of God. Can I just ask you this question as I close? What is it you've been thinking about this week? Like, have you let your thoughts go to to fear? Have you let your thoughts go to places of uncertainty that causes anxiety and worry? What, what, What have you been thinking? A lot of us have stinking thinking. Come on. I want to encourage you. Paul says this. Set your thoughts right. I want to pray two things as I close today. So I want to pray that God would help us to set our thoughts right. That we would anchor our hope. That we would take the seed of hope and we would plant it deep so that the roots of our hope are found in Christ. Some of you are watching right now and you say, well, man, I'm not going to pretend. I, I, I don't know Jesus. I don't have this relationship with God. Pastor David, this adventure you're talking about with God, I, I haven't even started that adventure yet. I don't know God that way. Can I tell you, I want to include you in this prayer as I close. I wonder if right where you are, if you would bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to pray these two prayers. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray this. Jesus, right now, everyone that is watching, I pray right now, the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would set our thoughts on the things above. God, I know that right now, as people are watching this all over the globe, our minds can be preoccupied with so many what ifs and what if this doesn't happen and what if this does happen. And God, right now, we take captive our thoughts. And I pray right now 
that you would just let everyone who is watching this have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That God, right where we are, we set our thoughts on things that are above. Yes, while we're on this earth, we are going to strive for excellence. But our hope is not found on things in this earth. We thank you that we can have a peace even in this storm. We can have a peace in the pandemic because our peace, our hope is not rooted on this earth, but we are looking forward to what is up ahead. So we set our eyes on things above. We set our thoughts to things that are above. And we thank you for the peace of the hope that comes from the eternal. God, right now, I just want to pray for every person that is watching and you are watching this right now and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You say, I I don't know if I'm right with God. It's just a simple prayer. You can pray that right now with me. I want to encourage you right where you are. Would you say, Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross. I repent of my sins and I turn the other way. And I ask you to help me to live for you. And if you will help me to live for you, I make a commitment today to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, the old is gone and the new is here. Amen and amen. Come on, I just want to clap with you right now. And I just believe people are clapping and just, man, celebrating right now. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.